my kids and fend for themselves. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> this is We Have Concerns. <laughs> Hi, Jeff Kanata. Hi, Anthony Carboni. Hello, concerned citizens. Anthony. Yes, Jeffrey. It's that time of year again. It's the is time. Toyota-thon? We... <laughs> no, no, it's not Toyota-thon. But I understand when you get excited about Toyota-thon. No, it's that time when we need to start thinking once again about death. Maybe five minutes a day. You got to think about death five minutes a day. Yeah. Well, let us, dear listener, be a reminder to consider death. Because our first story this week is all about when to die, how to die, and what's going on with death. Um, we got a story submitted to us on our wonderful Discord by our, Discord. our friend A. Tomlinson. Thank uh, you, A. Tomlinson. If you, uh, if you want to join that Discord, head to patreon.com slash wehaveconcerns. It's a buck a month, and it directly supports the show. This story immediately made me think of you, Anthony, because I've never been able to get out of my head the imagery of your dream that you, you talk, had about you talk to me about this all the time. You've done this on the show multiple times, but it's yeah. not just on the show. Like you've spoken to me about this. This has stayed with me, Anthony. This is this is something that this is a, a brain worm that you put into my head that has stayed with me. Uh, it is it is a visual metaphor that your subconscious created that I have. Uh, that has been incepted into my subconscious. It's something this. that really affected me. Um, so I, I guess, yeah, I'll go ahead and say I had a dream when I was a youth. <laughs> when I was, this was like when I was a teenager. Uh, and in that dream, everybody had a robot, a floating robot that followed around behind them, like a big, like hulking the solid robot, robot. The robot looked like a coffin, right? Well, the robot doesn't look like a coffin. It just follows you around like a robot. It, it's almost like, it's a very simple, like, it, in the dream, I remember it being like a very simple sort of like the big, thick robots in Robotron 64. Like they're very, or almost like a clap trappy thing, but big and like hulking, you know? And yeah. um, they follow you around your entire life silently. They do nothing. <laughs> they're just there. Everybody has one. And the moment you die, it turns into a coffin and a rocket and shoots you off into space the moment you die. <laughs> I always imagined it. I guess I, 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 I don't envision the, the, the robot in particular. I envision more the coffin that just is constantly floating and hovering. A robotic coffin just waiting, just waiting for the day it is needed. I mean, honestly, that's the simplest way to go. And if I was going to give feedback to the product team, the transformation seems unnecessary. <laughs> yeah, it's a little excessive yeah. as far as uh, from a design perspective. <laughs> but this is stuck with you, huh? And I think, um, oh, yeah, could you can you put your finger on why? I think it is. The, I think it's the visual metaphor of death constantly hovering over your shoulder every second of every day, never knowing when it's going to happen. But once it is, it's final and, it, and then you're gone. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like it's this this constant reminder, this physical reminder of the looming inevitability of death. Mm. I like to think that's my, I like to think that's my function. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. In a lot of ways, it's true. It is uh, you're a little bird on my shoulder, constantly whispering into my ear. Yeah. You're going to die. You're going to die, die, bud. Well, this brings us to this story because someone, Anthony, I'm not going to say they did it, but they, they've gotten closer than most, I would say. Uh, folks in Switzerland... Well, assisted suicide in Swiss, Switzerland is uh, is legal, and mm-hmm. about thirteen hundred people uh, died by assisted suicide in Switzerland in twenty twenty. Uh, oh, there man. are two assisted suicide organizations in Switzerland. Uh, one is called Exit, and the other one is called Dignitas. Um, and uh, folks, uh, I I think that is a dignified way to die. I'm, I'm sort of in favor of legal assisted suicide. Um, if if people are fully aware of what know, fully in command of their faculties and want to make that choice. I think you should have the option to die as you choose. It's um, your decision. But I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I, it's, it's a controversial topic, but I, I believe that it should be your choice. I mean, particularly, I, I always think of particularly when people have completely fatal, completely negative prognosis and you know, you're going to be a burden on yourself and others and you you know, it's going to be painful. You know that it's not going to be, you know what I mean? And like, you should yeah. be able to choose in that, like, in that case, be like, I don't want to go through all this. It all ends the same way. Let's yeah. do it in a way that's comfortable. And, and I think I know where you're, I think I know where you're going because I saw this and you know, the difference between you and me, Jeff, mm-hmm. is I saw this and I was like, yeah, of course. And I didn't <laughs> even think about it as a story. I was like, yeah, cool. oh, okay. <laughs> well, I think there's some, I think there's some juicy stuff to dig into here yeah. because. This is uh, a, um, there is a Swiss or uh, Australian, it's uh, registered in Australia, but I think that the founder is Swiss. Uh, Regardless, this this is a a fella named Philip or Philippe uh, Nitschke, who has uh, invented a new way to back up the 1300 people that died by assisted suicide. in in Switzerland in 2020, they ingested liquid sodium pentobarbital as a, as the means to die, and this is a new invention uh, from a um, a a guy who intends to revolutionize the methodology and the function of assisted suicide. So when you take liquid sodium pentobarbital, mm-hmm. you fall asleep, go into a deep coma and then die, right? So it is a peaceful, relatively peaceful way to go. That's, that's honestly, when you think about it, when you think about like, when you ask people like, how do you want to go out? And everybody's just like, I want to go to bed and I want to peacefully in my sleep and blah, blah, blah. Like yeah. that's, that's literally what it is. Yeah. Well, this invention, this new invention uh, is actually a 3D printed device, uh, what they're calling a capsule. You've seen it. I hope uh, you said you, you saw the story. So you've seen what it looks like. It looks like something. It looks like the old clamshell Apple, like around 2000, the, the, the Macintosh clamshell Max that they were selling, mm-hmm. like with the translucent blue uh, plasticky look. It looks like uh, an escape. It looks like an escape pod from like Lost in Space. Or from Krypton. Yeah. <laughs> a like like in a, Krypton. Yeah, like in a later, like in a, like in Supergirl, the TV show. It yeah. looks like it's very yeah. much like a, like a pod from there, but it, it does look like 
like a space pod. Yes. So the idea behind this capsule, which again, there's only two of them. Uh, they are evidently currently 3D printing the third. These are prototypes. Um, the idea is that these things are portable, easily moved about. You can take them anywhere you'd like to be, uh, whether that is one of these facilities that are specifically designed for assisted suicide, or let's say you wanted to pass away, you know, in the park or, or you know, in nature somewhere. They could literally yeah. be brought into, out into the woods or whatever. Love it. So, relatively uh, portable. Uh, and then you climb inside. And I guess there are an, a series of questions that are asked of you uh, inside the thing. And then there's a button that you press. And then it takes the oxygen level inside from 21% down to 1%. Uh, you feel a little disorientation. We, sh we, should say, we should say it's not just sucking the air out of it. it, it I think it replaces it with like nitrogen. So you're still right, breathing. Exactly. And you still get this sense that you're breathing and you don't feel. There's no choking. There's yeah. no gagging. There's no gasping for air. Yeah. You're just, it just changes. Yes, it, it replaces it with nitrogen. Uh, you die of um, hypoxia and hypocampia. It's lack of oxygen, lack of uh, carbon dioxide. But you basically just go to sleep again. It's, it's, yeah, I guess there's a, a euphoric feeling and then you lose consciousness. Uh, no choking, no gagging. And then five to 10 minutes later, uh, you die. Dude, I had a gas leak in my apartment once. <laughs> and this was like back when I was living in, back when I was living in Brooklyn and I had like three roommates and we were living in, it, I, you know, it wasn't like a slum, but it wasn't great. It was just was like a bad building. You know how I wear that, uh, you know how I wear that t-shirt that says BQE, but it looks like yeah. it's, but it looks like it's a college, like a university shirt. My yeah. friends got that for me because that apartment was like literally right next to the BQE on-ramp. And so you just hear traffic all day. And it's where we used to, it's where we used to shoot bite jackers. So it was like loud. Anyway, not a great apartment. And one morning, me and all the roommates are hanging out. And I immediately thought that was weird because like, usually one of us at least was gone or we had work or we had stuff to do. And we were just like hanging out like real, like we had all gotten up late and we were just goofing around and being like real goofy, real silly, just like playing around, just like having fun, just like not doing much, had nothing planned for the day. And then we realized the reason we felt that way is because there had been a gas leak in the apartment all day. And the moment I opened the window, we meet like our moods immediately, like we got headaches and our like our moods immediately changed. We were like, oh my God, this is terrible. We could have died. I mean, before that, it was phenomenal. It was a blast. <laughs> yeah. So I guess that's kind of the, uh, the sensation here. The goal with all of this I think this is what makes it worth discussion on our show. The goal is to demedicalize the dying process. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. because right now in the way it works in Switzerland with the, uh, the uh, liquid pentobarbital, there needs to be a doctor to prescribe that. Yep. Right. Uh, and also to confirm the person's mental capacity. Yep. Now, this, this guy wants to both remove the need for a doctor's prescription mm -hmm. and also remove the kind, any kind of psychiatric review from the process. So it literally allows the individual to control the method themselves. They, they said, listen to this, quote, 
Our aim is to develop an artificial intelligence screening system to establish the person's mental capacity. So what do you think about that? I think it's interesting. Uh, I like the idea of it. I wonder, I wonder when we'll be at a place where we all trust that technology and the government trusts that, like, not our government, but maybe like the government of Switzerland where, like, this is already a legal thing. Uh, were they trusted enough to be unadministrated? You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I mean, for, I think for, you would for want... multiple for multiple reasons, right? Like, not just hey, we want to be sure that like this person doesn't just know the answers to these questions, but still isn't in their right mind or whatever. But also, just like, is there somebody watching to make sure this is actually painless? That it does actually mm. go off without a hitch, right? Um, yeah. Sort of like when they do, you know, uh, even like when they administer a lethal injection to uh, to a prisoner here in the States and somebody has to see and make sure that it doesn't go wrong and it's not, you know, yeah. too painful, even though, hey, let's let's stop executing incarcerated people. But anyway, right. um, yeah, I, I think I think it's interesting, but I do like the idea of demedicalizing it for the same reason I enjoy like it feels to me like when a relative is near death and they move them from the hospital to like a hospice or an assisted right. home where it's like, this place is a little more comfortable. It feels a little less medical. You can visit them here. Right. Um, it's not as frightening here, you know? Uh, yeah, and I think that the goal of sort of giving the control to the individual and allowing the individual to be the one to press the button, to administer the thing, to like, yeah. there's something dignified in that as well. There's something I, I respect in it. And of course, you want to make sure this person is acting in their right mind and not doing it for sort of, um, you know, the wrong reasons. But um, I think, you know, you, you hear, hear the term AI and it sounds all creepy. It's like, oh, the the robots are going to determine whether you're going to live or die. I think AI might be the wrong term to use here. I think there's just sort of a, I like the idea of it being a dispassionate, process. It's not a human with emotions saying, are you, you know, am I checking off on your, your decision here? It is a, a system yeah. that just needs to, you know, hit a certain uh, threshold I of capacity. It, and yeah. then you it can say, yes, you can push the button. I imagine it uh, being similar to the, the little self intake form that I fill out every week before I talk to my therapist, which um, mm. like a lot of insurance companies have, and a lot of therapists do them on their own anyway. It's, it's just, it's just like a standard questionnaire that you answer every week about how you've been feeling, how you've been, you know, physically, mentally, yeah. stuff like that. And, and I think there is a way to standardize this and, and to decide like, hey, according to this test, like maybe not today, maybe come back tomorrow. You know what I mean? Or well, you're ready. You know, yeah, well, the, the the idea is not that you would like get inside it and then it would ask you questions. It's more like you would you would fill out the, or engage in this mm -hmm. uh, process as a way to order the yeah. delivery of the device. So, so the, yeah, yeah, that's what I that's what I pictured is like. It's something that, OK, so, yeah, it's something that happens before the process where it's like, I want to order this thing and I want to have it meet me in the like want to have it come to this beach that I love. And it's like, great. Right. Before we, before we tow this thing to the beach, you <laughs> right. have to fill out these forms and we're going to have you fill them out like a couple times or whatever. We're going to check in with you. And then like, you know, we'll have, it. and then the, the ones when you get inside, I guess are just confirmation questions. Right. Yeah. Gotcha. 
Um, the only thing about it being like, I don't know. Are you the this, right? Are you the right person? Did somebody else accidentally crawl right? inside? This? And I was like, this is. <laughs> I was like, oh no, this is another screenplay. Like. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't a real thing. This is a screenplay where like somebody puts somebody else in there or yeah, like they yeah. switch it or like uh, somebody accidentally gets inside. I don't know. Like it's 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 dumb. It's or somebody like forces you in there and like starts the process for you. Uh, that's all like spooky talk. But there there are ways to like mitigate Sitting that. on top of it, staring at you through the blue translucent the plastic. <laughs> Speaking of the blue translucent plastic, when I saw this earlier this week, the first question that popped into my head is, Why'd they have to make it look nicer than my apartment? <laughs> Why yeah. does the suicide booth look nicer than where I'm living my life? That's not yeah. okay. Like, I'm not fine with, like, my apartment's not as cool looking yeah. or as comfortable looking. You wouldn't want to be caught dead in your apartment. <laughs> womp, womp. But yeah, kind of. <laughs> like I was very the, the, angry at how nice it looked. The other thing that, that I think is one of the reasons that it, it made me think of your dream is that it's, I know it is positioned to be comfortable and you to be reclined and yet, you know, able to sort of see out, but it, the way it is positioned looks like it's ready to be jettisoned into space. No, it's on. So the capsule <laughs> itself is like lozenge shaped and then it's on. Uh, it's on a like almost a, a giant doorstop shaped base that's like it's, right. it's got like a and it does look like, like a ramp. A it looks like a ramp yeah. that it's ready to shoot off like of. a human cannonball or something like it really does <laughs> yeah. look like great. You're dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And now we don't yeah. have to worry about like, yeah, it's it's so odd to me. Um, <laughs> the aesthetics of it are because it looks like the closest thing that it looks like to me that I see in real life is like. When you're at an airport or a mall and they have like the nap or massage booths. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, and they're like way overly designed. Yes. Because <laughs> here's the thing. I don't think this needs to look like spaceship. I agree. I think they I just think decided is, is it's to time it, for spaceship. I think I think that is intentional to make it feel, I don't know, somehow futuristic and not. It's almost like kind of. Not scary because it's safe, it feels, techie, yeah, cl medical, clean techie, right? Exactly. Sci-fi, but also like, I don't think the spaceship and the incline and the base and the fact that it looks like it's going to take off is a coincidence or a thing they didn't think about. I think they are like, are you ready for this part of your journey? Right? Yeah, are you I, ready to go to the next place? I yeah. think this is this is definitely something that was in their heads. But it does sort of just look like an overly designed Razer or MP3 player from the early 2000s. <laughs> it sort of looks like yeah. it sort of looks like when you wanted an iPod and <laughs> and like your parents just came home with like, I don't know, an iRiver, you know, or a Creative Labs <laughs> something. And you're just yeah. like, yeah, it might be a Samsung. Yep. Or something from well, Sony. <laughs> Like, well, this is why it works for our screenplay, right? Because you could definitely see someone climbing into this thing and thinking it's a cool, uh, you know, mall ride of yeah. some kind. Oh, they're, they're climbing in there looking for like Surge, Surge soda or hypercolor t-shirts, you know, like, oh, shit, yeah. I left, I, I left my slap bracelets and pogs in here. What does this thing vibrate violently and 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 shoot images uh, onto the screen? What what happens? What Wait. do I do? I, oh, I push this button to make it start. Let's do this. Oh no, I dropped my tamagotchi in this lozenge. 
Um, but you know, I I think I think right I think right to die stuff is something we are incredibly uncomfortable with here in the states. Yeah. Um, yes. I read this great I read this great book uh, last year called The Swedish Art of Death Cleaning. I don't know if you are familiar with this. I am not. It is a it is an actual procedure a thing that is uh, something that Swedish people do just towards the end of their life as they know that it's coming. They do like a really deep, clean, getting rid of stuff, throwing things away. The idea is when I'm gone, my stuff should not be a burden upon anybody. And so you have to think about, okay, realistically, it's time to start doing this. And it's time to think about getting rid of all this stuff. And it just, it highlighted to me just a real difference in uh, in the American thought process versus a lot of other countries. Uh, we certainly worship youth here in the United States and youthful appearance. I mean, we don't. You and I, we, we chide the youths. I loathe them. But also, <laughs> secretly, yearn for their acceptance. Oh, yeah. Um, Please like us youths. Come on. Come on, there's, is there really going to be no time in my life that youths like me? Even in my youth, they didn't like me. And now, like, <laughs> so true. Now I'm, now I'm older and they still don't like me. I don't understand what they don't like about, you know, a show where we talk about death capsules. I don't know. Is Let's, this not relatable to the, t- to the youths? Is this not what they're thinking about? This week's episode is about death capsules. And then uh, after the break, we're going to come back. And my story is about lower back pain, lumbar support, anybody? No. Um, <laughs> I, I think we do. We worship youth here. Um, we certainly like it's really interesting. Somebody's accomplishments are more valuable in the United States. The younger they are. We really love when a young person yeah. is very accomplished. 30 under 30, baby. 30 under 30. Things like that. It's like, what can you do? How fast can you do it um, before you are old and irrelevant? Uh, and we don't like thinking about we don't like thinking about death here. We don't think about death. Um, yeah. we don't talk about medical stuff in the United States very openly, uh, like other countries do. It's considered gauche. It's not cool to do. And, um, and so it's very, int- I always like stories like this that push this into the American psyche and make us talk about this and think about this, you know, yeah. we totally. don't, it's really interesting. Like when I, particularly when I think about right to die stuff, I think about my grandfather and how towards the end of his life, he was, he was very ill and we just wouldn't let him go. We wouldn't let him go. Right. 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 And, and because of that, we caused him, uh, an additional couple years of, of, he was, he was already in mental decline. We caused some really intense mental free fall and physically his, his body was ready to give up and we just kept him alive because in the United States, uh, it's all built around that. Yeah. It's all built yeah. around that. It's all built around because he was never in a situation where it's like pulled a plug on him. Right. Like it's, it wasn't like that. It was a situation where it's like, you can choose between these treatments. And I do think that that has something to do like it's our culture, but I think it also has to do with uh, commercialized and industrialized medicine here in the United States, mm-hmm. uh, privatized hospitals and things like that, where it's like, legally, you can't tell us to do nothing. You get right. to choose. Here's the menu of expensive things we can do to keep him alive, whether he wants to be or not. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's very unfair, uh, but it's a very American I thing agree. to do. 
It is. Keep him alive. It it's is. not, it, don't let him die. And it's like, why? Why? Yeah. Why? Are I, you? I, uh, I will tell you though, if, if you do as an American want to think about death, there is a place you could go if you were willing to travel. It is the place where one of these, actually the first of these Sarco assisted suicide capsules is on display. There's a place called the Museum for Sepulchral Culture. Culture. That's hard to say. Sepulchral Culture. Oh, sepulchre. The Museum for Sepulchral Culture, which is in Kassel, Germany. Yeah. This thing is on display. The first Sarko is on display until August 2022. Now, uh, well, well, wait. Now, I, I want to know more about the Museum of Sepulchral Culture. Because that's like a sepulcher, as everybody who plays Dungeons and Dragons knows, yeah. <laughs> is where you're, you're going to find a tomb. Perhaps there's a lich there or a demi-lich yeah. or just an undead, a revenant of some kind. The, Germany's Museum of Sepulchral Culture is a collection of coffins, headstones, funeral clothes, and more going back to the Middle Ages. Yo, Jeff, I got to go. I feel like this is a place for you, Anthony. Oh my God, I gotta go. It has, uh, uh, it was opened in 1992. Um, and it has jewelry carriages. Uh, some notable ex exhibitions from the collection include a display dedicated to Ghana's strange and festive coffin building culture. Oh, man. The strange connections between dancing and death. <gasps> looking at the Tibetan dance of the dead and even invitations to flamenco funerals. Oh, my God. This place rules. Yeah. Leave it to Germany, right? Leave it to Germany to have a museum of I'm death. so into this. I, I love it. I love yeah. it. How close is it to Berlin? Castle? K-A-S-S-E-L? Yeah, I'm looking Kassel? up right now. Oh, it's a four-hour drive from Berlin. No. Okay. It's not... You, you definitely have to go out of your way if you're visiting. It's, it might be worth it, though. I don't know. What else is there to do in Castle? Uh, this is a thing for me to do on my own time. I'm sorry. <laughs> but I love the idea of this museum. I love the idea yeah, of this so museum. Yeah, so that's where, that's where the first uh, of these septa machines is... is now, there's a weird sentence in this article that says, um, I'm sorry, I said septic, Sarko. The first mm -hmm. Sarko is being displayed I love that it's at that museum. Sarko. That's so good. This is, the, this is the weird second sentence in that paragraph. The second Sarko turned out not to be aesthetically pleasing. Oh. For that and various other reasons, it's not the best one to use. <laughs> What? Wait, that's a that's a sentence or that's a quote? That's a quote. That's in this article about it says the first Sarko is being displayed at the Museum for Sepulchral Culture in Castle Germany uh, from September 2021 to mm -hmm. August 2022. So, but this is the not a second. quote. This is not a quote from somebody who was involved with the Sarko. This is the journalist saying this. Well, no, this is this this article is a is a transcribed interview ah, okay. with Philip Nitschke, the guy the Okay, so Phil, so Philip so he's saying, is saying straight like, out, yeah. If you're going to get it, turned if, out to be not aesthetically pleasing. <laughs> like what? There was like a printing problem. What? What is that about? Or we just tried some new design and we didn't like it? He does not go into detail on that, but 
I love this because like, oh, if you're going to do a Sarko, you got to get the cool one. Yeah, you definitely got to get you the cool gotta one. You got to get the cool one. Look, they both they both look like a, a Lady Gillette razor, but she, there's one that's like. <laughs> this one. Now, listen, now, listen, you. I want to get you into a Sarko. I want to get you into one of these things. I definitely yeah. want to get you into it, but. I don't, I, I do think you should spring for the upgraded version. Uh, the, you, listen, your family, yeah. your friends, they deserve better than seeing you in Sarko 2.0. You know what I'm saying? Sarko 1.0, the original. Yeah. Th- there was some, there was some strange design decisions in 2.0. You're talking, uh, we're talking about a heritage, a bespoke heritage suicide booth. <laughs> exactly. That's what, so, so. But I mean, like, what's so? What's the price difference, though? Like, it, I mean, it's quite a bit more. Uh, there's a. Lot, I'm not going to. I'm not going to uh, lie to you. There's a lot of demand mm-hmm. for 1.0. Uh, it's the original. It's uh, it's 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 the undisputed best looking version. I'm I mean, just I, saying you don't want to. You don't want to die and also be embarrassed. You know. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I guess that's fair. Uh, what's the. Uh, What's the waiting list like for the Sarko 1.0? Because I can tell you, I've only got about three months and I don't think I can budge on that. <laughs> I don't have oh, a God. lot of flexibility. <laughs> oh, God. It's so dark. It's so dark. <laughs> so check this out. He said uh, they're, they're working on for 3.0, they're working on the development of a camera inside mm. that allows the person to communicate with people outside. I guess for that last five minutes. I don't know why you'd want to do that. Hey, no. Uh, Can I tell you? No. Hey, like. This is feature creep. That's what that is. That's feature creep. It really is. It really is. Because like, say, listen, get in your, say your goodbyes and then get in the Gillette Lady Razor. (laughs) Like, don't like. get jettison to space. Yeah, don't. It's a three-step process. If you haven't said it all by the time you get into the death booth. You yeah, if there's one it. more thing you want to say, it, yeah, yeah, you shouldn't have gotten in the booth. <laughs> I really do. I I really do hope that I have enough control over the situation when it happens that my final words could be like, "Oh yeah, and one more thing." <laughs> Button. <laughs> yeah, I'd be like, "Oh wait, one more thing, and this is really important," and then I die. I want my last words in that thing to be, "What does this button do?" <laughs> I gotta call. I gotta call the flight attendant. I need a soda. Like, <laughs> um, this is wild, and I'm glad it exists. Yeah, me too. Me I'm too. glad it exists. Uh, yeah, the history of the history of assisted uh, assisted suicide and right to die is very interesting. And if you're if you're sort of morbidly obsessed like I am, it, it's a great read. There's um there's particularly like a lot of stories about what countries and what people from what countries travel to Switzerland the most. Uh, there's like a heavy population of like Japanese patients who travel to Switzerland to have like assisted deaths. It's, yeah. it's very fascinating and, it, and it, it really gives insight into different cultures and how we all feel about life and aging and dying. And I think it's... Um, yeah, and, and what, what it means to have a dignified death. I think that, that to have dignity in death and to have some sort of control over that, I think is an honorable thing. I. I I do. I we'll see how I feel, you know, when that day approaches for me. If if I 
still feel that way or if I'm trying to squeeze out every last second. Um, but I, I sense that, you know, the, the notion of having a little control over that yeah. is, you know, I think it's, 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 it, it is dignified. It is, it is a, a, a level of, um, you know, moving out of your life in a way that feels like you are still autonomous yeah. and uh, empowered in some way. I still want to have my body dropped into a shark tank and make the people who love me the most watch the sharks eat me. <laughs> I think that's fun. what if what if what if the sharks refuse to eat you? What if you just they just knock you around a little bit and 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 they have to like pull you out later? You just you're saying that you want to make it sure that are very hungry sharks or, or are they, or I are get they gonna stuck? Put, what if I get what if I get stuck like <laughs> chips in a vending machine? And they've got to get like a big broom and just <laughs> just try to get me down what the chute. Are they are are there is there going to be like chum in the water to incentivize them to eat, or are they going to lacerate your body in some way to put some blood in the water? Because be, like you being in the water with chum is probably going to be pretty unpleasant. Well, you know, for the for my body, for my body meat to be kosher, they are allowed to drain the blood. <laughs> So, like, and I don't know if that's important to sharks. It might be important to my family since we're Jewish. I don't know. Uh, I'll have to ask. Well, but uh, yeah, you definitely want to respect your family's wishes in this process where they're forced to watch you be eaten by sharks. Yeah, I want to give them a little something, you know? Uh, I just like the idea of you being tossed in, the sharks not eating you, and yeah. then they're like, all right, add the chum. Yeah. Add the, add the Nothing. buckets of chum. Nothing. All right, roll them, roll them around in the krill. Get them out. Roll them around in the krill. Dump them back in. Like a uh, like a panko. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A, a breaded carboni is that? What, that's what you need. Yeah, you need like a. I still like no. This is a completely this is completely off topic. I'm not going to go there. Where I am going to go and where you should go is to our Patreon. Patreon.com/slash yes. We Have Concerns. We're all going to die. So why not, you know, make our lives better and your own lives better while we're still here by getting some extra content, some bonus stuff, participation with like-minded folks in our Discord, extra audio of the parts of the show at the beginning that you don't get to hear, that we're just ending when you, when you start the show. You get those if you're a patron. Various levels get you various bonus content. And that great feeling of making sure this show can continue. Patreon.com slash we have concerns. I want to talk about plastic. Weren't we just? Uh, in what way? Blue translucent plastic in which you die? Oh, yeah. That's true. You know, that, that actually is, is a great point. Like there's literally plastic in everything. There's yeah. plastic, there's plastic in, uh, in the suicide booths that we take for granted <laughs> that we all use every day. Uh, but, but it's literally in everything. Like I forgot how omnipresent and I didn't know how long plastic has been omnipresent in our lives. Like, um, celluloid plastic. Jeff was invented in 1869. Wow, really? Yeah, there was a there huh. was a ten thousand dollar prize offered by a billiard ball company that said, "Hey, huh. 
these are all made out of ivory and that's very expensive. What can we make a billiard ball out of that still feels like a billiard ball, has the heft that we need? And we've been killing so many elephants just to play pool. Yo, like legitimately though, so many yeah, things were made of so ivory. Depressing. Um, but listen, also, pool's a very fun game, you know? It is. It's very fun. It's and I think time. the elephants would enjoy it were they, were they to play. Um, so that was the first plastic in 1869. In 1907, uh, there was a chemist named Leo Bakeland who invented Bakelite. 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 So in the 20s, like you may have heard that things are made of like Bakelite. So like if you, if you, or if you watch Antiques Roadshow and somebody has like some, some sort of like kitchen appliance or a camera or something, they say, oh, this is made of Bakelite. And I was always like, well, what's Bakelite? It's just plastic, baby. It's just hmm. the first kind of plastic. And it's sort of the way like Band-Aid is now. Nobody else was making plastic. So you thought of plastic as Bakelite, right? Huh. Um, but since then, we have found ways to put plastic in everything. You know, obviously, you think about like DuPont and all this stuff. Like there's plastic in, in pantyhose, right? That was one of the first clothing that used it. Uh, there's plastic in the fibers of, of clothing, in all of the stuff that we like, we eat, we like, there's plastic everywhere, right? And here's the problem, Jeff. Just like you already just said the problem. That there's plastic everywhere? I mean, well, yeah. I mean, but think about this, Jeff. It, it like, what if I said there's money everywhere? That's a little different. Or if I said, <laughs> or if I said, oh no, there's sunshine everywhere. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, the, just the fact that plastic exists is not necessarily a problem. Uh, yeah. Except no, those, those three sentences are all exactly the same. They're all you're exactly right. the same. Right. Except, Jeff, that uh -huh. you're right. And it is a problem. <laughs> <laughs> um, because, and you, have may, you may have heard me allude to this, and the eagle-eared eagle listeners, eagles, of course, known for their ears, uh, have noticed that I've brought up plastics a couple times in the last few weeks, and I've been reading up about plastics a lot. And it's because of microplastics. Have we, we've talked a little bit about microplastics. Yes, we have. Microplastics are basically, as we use things and throw things away, throw plastic things away, as they break up, as they get uh, destroyed, uh, or even as they just get used, we get these little like beads of, of, of plastic that are in everything, right? These yeah. little plastic particles that are everywhere. Um, and one of the first places that we really noticed that it's a problem is in the oceans. Uh, there have been a lot of microplastics in the oceans. Fish are now eating a lot of food that contains microplastics. They're inhaling a lot of microplastics. And the amount of plastic particles within food has just been going up and going up and going up over the years. To the point where, Jeff, how much plastic do you think a human being breathes, eats, ingest in oh, some geez. way over the over a week a week a week it can't be that much or else we would be dead uh oh, what, what is the uh what is the the unit of measure that we're talking about here is it is it in weight is yeah, it yeah give me uh, in weight what do you think it is i would say a few grams at the most it is about five grams it's literally a credit card 
Oh. You literally eat. That's one way to dispose of your credit card, I guess. Yeah. They say, (laughs) listen, when your credit card expires and you get the new card, what you want to do is cut the old card into pieces and then digest them. (laughs) So nobody can. The only way to ensure that you don't get identity theft. Dude, you cannot. You you don't want to get identity theft. You can't get identity (laughs) thefted. Not now. You didn't. Not now. Not today. Not in the year 2021. No. Ingest your identity is the only way to do it. Keep it inside. Yeah. So uh, the level of microplastics that we are eating has been going up. The amount that we're breathing in has been going up. Uh, things that you don't even Five think about. Five grams every week? Every week, dude. That's insane. That's, that's insane. That's a lot, right? And it's and it comes yeah. not just from like, we're worried about seafood or we're worried about, like a lot of people are worried about like BPAs, right? Like everybody's like, get a BPA-free water bottle, you know? Um, there are... Just reheating your food in the microwave in a number three or seven recyclable plastic container can leach like 20% of that into your food. That's why I don't do that. I always put my stuff in a, on a plate, you know? That way I'm only ingesting yeah. porcelain. Yeah, that way you, you only want the porcelain glaze. <laughs> you want to glaze it on your own with like a little bit of a little bit of like a, a marinade, but then you want that extra literal glaze from the porcelain. Yes. They say the best <laughs> thing to use is glass. Um, but the thing is, we are fi- we are starting to find this in all kinds of parts of our body. Seventy four thousand microplastic particles every <gasps> year. Are we turning into plastic man? I wish. I wish. Baby we plastic. I wish we, I wish. It's, it's crazy though, because. Everybody's showing up with large glasses that they didn't think they needed. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden they're just on their face. We're all stretchy. The <laughs> fans. hard wearing. Yeah. The, the fans want us to be played by Ben Schwartz. Um, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty wild um, because it doesn't just come from the places we think it comes from. You know, microplastics is any particle of plastic that's released into the air. So I get this package from Amazon that has a cable in it. I rip yeah. open the package. Yes. You, you are exposing, you are throwing microplastics into, this, into the air. Uh-huh. It's like, your, it's like your container is sneezing at you. Kind of, the- yeah. Well, I mean, you think about it when you like, when you break apart like anything that's like wooden, you know, you can see like yeah. the little bits of wood that splinter off, right? Or um, it's Are we going to have to worry about micro woods. We don't have micro to worry splinters? about micro woods, micro splinters as much. I don't think. Hmm. Um, That's good. But microplastics can be anything from five millimeters in length to uh, smaller than a thousand nanometers, right? And the wow. way we find out, this is what's great. The way we find out how much, uh, how many of these plastics we have ingested and how much it's in our system. Do you know how they test for it, Jeff? No. They have to look at your poop? You can, you can just urinate. You, you can just urinate. And then... <laughs> and if it comes out as an action figure... Yeah. Then you've got plastic in If you. <laughs> you pass a stretch Armstrong... <laughs> uh, it, it actually looks like the Play-Doh Fun Factory... If you're extruding rather than urinating, it's a bad thing. Yeah, Uh, you can pee a 3D printer. What they do is they print a little (laughs) boat to test how much plastic is in your urine. Yeah, yeah, it's that that little boat. Yeah, Um, metric. But you actually like they you urinate it out, and they like 
basically they put it in a centrifuge and like they can separate the plastic out of it. And they found that and they can convert it back into plastic. Like they can take it and make it back into plastic. I'm not peeing. I'm recycling. That's right. This is post-consumer, baby. I'm woke. Wait a minute, though. Now, now, I'm not. I'm not blind to the fact that it's not good to have this stuff in your body at any point. Mm. But isn't it if it's if you're excreting it through your urine and feces, isn't that a good thing? Isn't that your body going? Okay, we'll just pass that on through. Well, you're passing, you you are, you're passing a lot of it. You're, you're right. You're, this is your body doing what your body does and it gets rid of waste and things that you can't digest and things that you don't need. Except, except Jeff, Uh those are just some of the, some of the particles. It's not Uh all of them. The problem is that BPAs and the phthalates from plastic can actually just get stuck in parts of your body in the tissue. They can just be mm-hmm. like in your lungs, in your in your organs. Uh, they can actually interfere with your endocrine, like your hormonal system, and they can be endocrine disruptors. Uh, they can cause So we're we're looking at the we're looking at the urine to see how much comes out and we can make an estimation based on how much comes out as to how much has stayed in. Is that the idea? No, the idea was just to see how how many people have a detectable amount of this in their system. And Jeff, give me a percentage. Oh, God. It's going to be high. It's going to be high. 75? 90. Jesus Christ. 10,000. Everybody's got plastic. 10,000 adult men die from cardiovascular disease linked to the phthalates in their systems every year. They're dying from plastic hearts. They have a case of plastic heart. Man. Um, and so what that, are we going to do about this? We can't do anything about this. We what can, are we going to do? We can do some stuff about it. But uh, the big thing that made me start looking into this, and this shit, listen, baby, we, you know it's got to get worse before it gets better. I got to tell you everything that's happening. I'm going to get in my suicide pod. They just right. finished, like, they just finished some new studies, some hot, hot new studies, baby. They're finding out all kinds of things. Uh, microplastics can weaken the adhesive abilities of our muscles. Uh, based on muscles t- can't stick together anymore? Yeah, based on, based on studies that they've been doing on marine creatures that have like high levels of, of, of plastics, microplastics, their adhes- the adhesive abilities of their muscles are weakened. The cognitive abilities are weakened. Uh, reproductive changes, wow. aneurysms. No, everything, you, everything you've said so far means that we're turning into plastic man. If our if our muscles can't stick together and they stretch more and we're not as smart as we were, we're turning into plastic men. But when do we turn into a tire and roll off camera? <laughs> uh, kids, ask your parents. Now, this is the big one, Jeff. This is a study that came out a couple weeks back. And it says that these microplastics, and we've thought this might be true for a while, but now we have proof. These microplastics, especially ones that are two micrometers or less, can pass through the blood-brain barrier and get oh, into we're gonna have your plastic brain. brain. Plastic, plastic brain. brain, plastic brain, plastic brain. Doesn't sound dude. good to have plastic brain. Oh man, that's not good. That sounds really not good. And so, so again, I ask, what are we doing about this? 
Well, uh, so there's like a whole lot of nothing being done. Yeah, that's the worry I have. Because remember, most things are made of plastic and plastic is petroleum and petroleum is big oil and the lobbies and the, you know, it's not great. But there are things that, uh, and plastic production actually has continued to rise over the last 10 years. Um, Yeah. Well, 3D printed death pods aren't going to make themselves. You know what I'm saying? Half of the plastic ever made, Jeff, was made in the last 13 years. That is, I remember reading that that, that stat. That is bonkers. That is bonkers. So, you think about all the plastics that have ever been made in, in human history, or, or at least in the last, you know, 100 years, half of them in the last, what did you say, 13? 13 years. That's a lot. That's a lot. So there are a couple things. I mean, that I, that's basically that's basically right after I started podcasting. Yeah, I mean, I've been barely podcasting. You know, I've been podcasting for like twelve years, and we made more plastic in the time. Is it my fault? Should I have not made so many podcasts that make it so desirable to have pod catching devices? The, it, did I do it? The problem is, the byproduct of each podcast is a small amount of petroleum waste. <laughs> And the only thing we can do with that is turn it into uh, gadgets and tchotchkes. Uh, Yeah, so this is weird. I mean, there is some stuff that's happening. Like, uh, you know, obviously individuals, like a lot of individuals are trying to use less plastic, be more environmentally friendly. But you know what I always say? Fuck that. Make the companies do it because the companies do more of it in a day than you'll fucking do in your entire life. Um, Yeah. So... There is legislation. There's a legislation that's been uh, that's been put uh, that's been put out uh, that hopefully that will get signed into a law. That's called the Break Free from Plastic Pollution Act, which is going to phase out a lot of single use plastics and lower the amount of uh, allowed plastic production in the United States. Will this just move plastic production to other places? Maybe, definitely. but it's definitely a step in the right direction. It also requires sellers of plastic to cover the collection of plastic uh, byproducts and recycling, which means our broken recycling programs in most cities will be subsidized by the people that are actually creating the need for these recycling programs. Um, So hopefully that will get better as well. Now, if you're asking, what can I do to put less plastic into my ding-dang brain right now? I can tell you. Please? Please tell me about my ding-dang brain. So first of all, uh, do not carry, they say do not carry a plastic water bottle, whether it's a single-use water bottle or even a water bottle that you carry around all day. Get yourself a, uh, get yourself like a metal or a glass bottle to drink. Aluminium, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, And also uh, use just a water filter. Check out how good your water filters are because they will filter out a lot of these larger particles of microplastics that are in tap water and that are in the drinking water. Um, I carry around a metal bottle now. Um, Yeah, me too. I, I, I have one right here. In fact, boom, I have a metal bottle and then I have my little metal, my metal thermos for my coffee that I carry around now. Got my swell. Yeah. Like it. Yeah. And that's, that's a lot easier. Um, It doesn't seem to prevent the breathing of it. it. Yeah. The breathing. So there are a couple other things about ingestion too. Like number one, uh, don't microwave in plastic, like we said, microwave in glass. Yeah. Um, right. Store your food in as much glass, silicone, or foil as you can. 
and try to get rid of plastic containers um, as much as All possible. Right. Uh, so like your, uh, your Tupperware is bad? Your Tupperware is, you, you definitely want to go for more of that, like the glass, like the, the corner, yeah. you know, the corningware or whatever, or, or even just, right. or even just foil. Like they're saying, you, if you're using a plastic container, you could line it with foil if you wanted to. And that helps or wrap the food that's in the plastic container in foil and that'll help. Um, obviously, like food that's packaged in plastic, eat more fresh foods. We talk about that a lot. We talk about how America is not built to allow you to eat fresh food, but do your best. Um, <laughs> but then like one that's like a really big deal that they said for the inhalation, make sure you're vacuuming regularly, make sure you're dusting regularly because a, a larger amount of household dust than you think is microplastics. Interesting. Yeah. Or if you, if you have an air purifier with a HEPA filter, that's huge. And try to get rid of as much dust in your house as possible, which I'm bad at. I'm so bad at. I'm so you bad You know, we at. did two stories today. You'd think the first one would be the more depressing of the two. Uh, turns out, I'm really bummed out about the second one. Yeah, we got about halfway through and I was like, I can't believe we're going to go from dignity of death to there's, to there's plastic poisoning your brain. <laughs> it's a, it's pretty rough. It's real rough, it's pretty dude. Rough. It's real rough. Uh, but it, 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 these kinds of things, to me, are so haunting because you we we have no way to quantify the effect on the human species, mm-hmm. right? Maybe it's nothing. Maybe it's nothing. Oh, it's definitely. But maybe not, it's though. something huge. Maybe it's massive. Maybe it isn't even causing us death, but maybe it's contributing to making us all stupider or making us all behave in weird ways or affecting our, our general day-to-day health in, in some ways that we'll never be able to have a direct correlation, one-to-one yeah. causal, you can point to it, but maybe. Yeah, and I mean, that's you why know, so Maybe many this of these... is the thing that we just, we've been doing to ourselves <laughs> for 50 years, you know? This is why so many of these studies are coming out now and why so many microplastic studies are coming out now is because we've realized that like, oh, we haven't been keeping track of this. Uh, And they have found that like, it's definitely connected to alterations in immune responses, inflammatory responses. Dude, this is a, we're a generation that has more inflammatory and autoimmune problems than any generation. And they're like, dude, this may, this, you know, this isn't causing all of it, but like, if you got little bits of plastic that's making your body irritated all the time, like, of course it's. Well, you think about there was an era where like everything was painted with lead. Oh God. You know, your whole house was like had lead in it. Yeah. And asbestos, you know, and they're just like, we'll just use this. And then all of a sudden people went, you know what? Maybe, maybe this is bad for us. We shouldn't be doing it. It feels like this is another one of those examples. That's why they won't. If you go to one of those places where they, where you get drunk and paint your own pottery, you know, those places. Yeah. If you go, if you go to one of those places and let me tell you something, you think it's just for wine moms. I'm here to tell you, it's not just for wine moms. You can have a lot of fun at those, like uh, at those ceramics painting places. They let you bring your own bottle. You can hang out with friends and just like paint a weird plate and get blitzed <laughs> and it's lovely yeah. it costs like 10 bucks um they don't let you paint anything red and it's because the most commercially available red glaze for ceramics is fucking poison so if you're making a plate they're like don't paint that red you're not allowed i've literally been to one of these places one time and the thing i did is i made a bowl that is red 
<laughs> I still have it. Congratulations, you schmuck. <laughs> I can't believe they didn't tell you. It's my own personal suicide bowl. It's it's Swiss. <laughs> I'm going to put it on display in a very fancy museum. Come see it. Uh, hey, everyone. That's your downer for this week. Yeah. Uh, happy holidays. <laughs> if you're listening to this. That's what you come to We Have Concerns for. We're going to have to do a Chronicles of a Badass. Cheer. We're going to have to do a Chronicles yeah. of a Badass or a Weird Animal story next week because otherwise... We marked down this day when Anthony asked me to do a Chronicles of a Badass. I mean, Anthony has been dead set against Chronicles of a Badass since its inception. Listen, it's a terrible segment, but it doesn't depress people. <laughs> That's true. Nobody's ever depressed by it. Uh, yeah, the next week will be more of an upper. We like I, maybe we should have put a downer warning on this one, Jeff. When you write the description for this one, put a downer, downer warning. warning at the beginning. I mean, I think our entire podcast is a downer warning. My entire life's a downer warning, baby. Memento Mori, I'll see you in the Discord, motherfuckers. Patreon.com slash We Have Concerns. Uh, Remember, you will die. We'll see you next week.